You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst case Elder scenario for here City for right more. here. And it's stopped! Yes! And it's stopped! Totally Matt redeems Elder. himself. <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself. Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! Justin Oliver will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And oh, the goal. Goal. It is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. We are back, folks, and oh, how we have missed you. Mm-hmm. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis State. I'm your host, and with me, as always, fresh off the conclusion of his first year as the voice of Augie Soccer, the Nate Morales. Nate, are you ready to ditch your side hustle to go back to your other side hustle? Yeah, man. Every day I'm hustling. I don't know. Is this <laughs> – I guess – I get paid a little, little better on my other side hustle, but yeah, it's a, uh, it was a wild <laughs> season, wild season at Augsburg. I think you and I were saying that, you know, I talking earlier that like, man, this, this Augsburg team is on the cusp of, of being in the conversation year in and year out uh, in the Mayak. And it's just great to watch the Mayak in general and just be like futures guy, futures guy, city guy, city star, futures guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's, it's awesome to see. It really is. And um but then you, and then we were talking. Um, we'll be talking a little bit later with uh, with uh, a player who who talked a little bit about high school soccer as well. We brought it up again too. It's not just at the college level; it's the high school level too. It's awesome, yeah, man. And that's uh, that's exciting. We were just also talking about the high school tournament, and yeah, it's happening. Friday is the final. Fever. Soccer, soccer fever. fever. It's it's soccer fever. We are always in the grips of soccer fever on this show, and that is probably why we're uh, we're, we're less available than ever. To do a yeah. show, <laughs> yeah, and, and we and we coined the new phrase before we recorded that we're not rich in bank account terms. We're we're soccer rich. We're soccer rich. Mm-hmm. That's for <laughs> but sure. But we're pretty psyched to have a full show tonight. It's been a while since we had a full show, and apologize for that. But we're just guys with side hustles and and day jobs and families. But we're getting back at it. We're gonna field some listener questions, and then we're gonna we're gonna let the Susie Lucy City forward Zach Susie is in the house. The Shaka Pele. Uh, for a much overdue revisit to the show. Yeah, but, it's been uh, a long time. But let's get after it, man. Well, first, I want to make a quick shout out, John. It is November, November 2nd, uh, as of this recording. And you know what that means? It's World Cup time. It's uh, it's not the traditional time for the World Cup. But, no, it's uh, not. <laughs> you know, money. The, <laughs> rich people do what rich people are going to do. And we've got a World Cup in November in the desert. So here we go. Uh, mark your calendars now, because Minneapolis City is partnering with Udapil's Brewing to throw watch parties for all of the USA games. Hopefully there's going to be more than three. Uh, the first one will be on November 21st. It's USA versus Wales, my guys, the Wales. Uh, <laughs> and then Black Friday, 11:25 USA versus England. That's going to be an amazing game. If I'll be back healthy. in Milwaukee with, uh, for, for the holiday with uh, all my friends at their pub oh, that they own and operate. Brutal. And uh, <laughs> could and, be a rough day for you. 
I mean, or it could be a real great day for me. Yeah, win, sure. win, lose, or draw. It could be a really great day for me. I, I, it's going to be a really great day for me, win, lose, or draw, because I know what to expect when I get back home and I get I, I, I get back in my old circles. And, uh, and it, it feels like, you know, before I moved here. Um, yeah, to, to feel Minnesota. like a kid again. I feel like a kid again. Yep. I'm not going to feel like a kid <laughs> again the next day, though. Going to be real hungover and wish <laughs> – and then have to parent. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, the third watch party is going to be on uh, November 28th, which is uh, another Monday, which is not ideal, but whatever. And that is USA versus Iran. And I don't know, John, I think I'm in, that's, that's the one that I'm targeting to go to because I'll have a, it'll be, I'll have a little bit of time off of work. But anyway, uh, if you go to Udapils on either of those three days and any six, any uh, successive USA game, if we get to the knockouts, it's $5 beers for the entire game. You get free pizza if you're one of the first 50 people. Free parking, of course, as always, and tons of space if in the tap room. And if the weather stays as nice as it is now, you can probably step outside and relax mm-hmm. in the yeah. in the beer garden. Or so by, actually, the, uh, by, the, by, the, by the fire pit. Yeah. I mean, plenty of room to actually relax, get comfy, watch the game. We're going to have city merch. The new uh, football town in Minneapolis City collection is going to be available at the first game and the third game. So keep an eye out for that. It's just like the the World Cup is back, and uh, Minneapolis City and Utapils are all about it. And John, if the I remember eight years ago, this is how long this is how long we've been together. <laughs> eight years ago, the the watch parties that Stegman's was throwing at the local. If that is any indicator of what these are going to be like, these are going to be amazing, amazing times. You are not going to want to miss these. Yo, they will be. I mean, it, there's going to be. I, I just saw on the uh, on the the segment steam snap today, getting the buzz going with the boys to yep. get them out. So it's definitely going to be. But Nate, I think that we might just have to spin the mics back up next week and do a rare off season back to back week show and do a World <laughs> Cup preview. I'm available. And- and I can't believe I'm saying this, but we haven't yet talked about the new FIFA edition, FIFA 23, that yeah. has come out. That came out this, uh, last month. So we're uh, we're a little tardy on that, but I don't see a lot of lower level uh, soccer podcasts that are dedicated to specific teams getting the jump on us uh, to talk about FIFA <laughs> before we do. No. So so maybe we'll uh, we'll spin up a. a uh, a potpourri show that talks about all things fifa yeah uh, the hobby lobby show the hobby lobby show nice let's do it um i'm excited i think that'll be great i'm excited for the world cup i'm excited for this show in particular every show week after week we ask the fine listeners to like just bombard please bombard us with your all of your questions all of your it's burning easy questions to do. about minneapolis city and uh and usually it's just crickets <laughs> but not today. We've got two excellent questions coming to us from everyone's favorite citizen and Minneapolis City board member, Paul Smichael. Paul was sitting alone in the dark one night and decided, you know, I got I got to ask John and Nate some some things. So uh, let's start by giving the people what they want, which is answers. Let's do it. Question question one. Thank you, Paul. Many of our players are in college, and so we see them for the summer, and then they return to school. But for those players that are not in college, that might not be returning to school, or maybe those that want to challenge themselves at the professional level, what are their opportunities? I mean, 
once the USL two is done in the summer, like we're talking about leagues that maybe don't run in the summer, USL one, USL championship. Is that, are the, are those different things? I don't know. MLS next pro two X 5,000 Nisa, John, I don't know. I mean, there's, there are a lot of options for, for young players out there, but I feel like most of them are gated communities. And I think, you know, Paul is wondering what if a city player doesn't want to go back to school like Loic and but unlike Loic, maybe they don't have a contract. Right. This is a really great question from Paul. So thank you, Paul. Um, it, it's a, it's kind of as he noted a pretty loaded landscape of options from all divisions of soccer underneath the unattainable top level that is Major League Soccer. Um, that you know all the different the different outlets that Paul outlined there. Each year we have quite a few players that actually um, are, are are fit fit this bill and have exhausted their collegiate. Um, their, their, their collegiate uh, eligibility and, and are done with the college game and are interested and have the desire to test the waters in the pro game. However, it's a tad tricky. Most of the other leagues also operate in the summer. Though when we were talking about that, I'm like, well, they kind of do start in the, uh, in the summer a little bit. Um, not as early as we do, but they do, they do start in the summer. Um, but they, they do tend to have a longer season into the fall. So that would naturally, you know, I think to, to Paul's question here, lead into like, if I'm, if, if, if I'm good at soccer and my summer season's over, why can't I play, try to play pro or try a, another option? Um, but for our players with, with pro aspirations, it's, it's very hard, if not impossible to crack a pro side for a couple of factors. Uh, two factors in particular. Number one, clubs pretty much are set as far as personnel is concerned. They've kind of gone through their preseason. Like injuries are probably pretty low. Uh, needs are probably already addressed. Um, so they're they're not. It's pretty rare that there's an opportunity where they would dip into the the amateur ranks for reinforcements if they need them. But it's not uncommon. It's just not. This is that just doesn't happen a lot. They would typically, if they were looking for players, go to the transfer market for a player that has experience um, uh, at the pro level. Um, and, and specifically when they're deep in their season, rather than going to a guy that you may, that may have what it takes from a skill perspective, but is unproven in the pro game. So mm -hmm. that, that's kind of my first answer. Um, my second answer is typically the guys that have finished our, our, our season um, are – are in kind of a, a interesting situation where they're at, at the impasse of maybe they're having it they're they're starting their career they're having a day job um they're coaching college you know you look at like jonah garcia i think jonah is a good example of someone that I, I do believe that given the opportunity could could play at the usl one level um before uh, before his legs run out um but you know he's coaching at augsburg um or they, they're embarking on like postgraduate studies all of those things are super hard to kind of pull the plug on and pry away from when all of a sudden like forward Madison says like, Oh, we need a central defender. You know, let's, let's go look at, you know, Minneapolis city or Des Moines menace or whoever it might be um, at the USL two level. So it, it, it's pretty, pretty, pretty tough. I, I think the, the reason why I think this is a great question is why not? Why wouldn't say a USL one or a Nisa side look to maybe more of an affordable player from the amateur ranks to fill in. Uh, I really don't have an answer for that. Uh, <laughs> more of just, it's more of answering a, a question with a question, but why not? Uh, but I will say that since joining USL two and, and seeing how they have a well-established player ranking system um, that loads into a repository uh, of talent, 
um, that any USL two team or USL team from USL championship down to USL one um, from a pro perspective. Um, I really feel like that with, with what the, the umbrella of, of USL does to try to keep track of players from a talent management and recruiting perspective, I, I think that we might find a situation where in the future clubs will um, engage with USL two teams, probably a little bit earlier on. Um, and look at, you know, keeping a guy in the USL2 until the season ends and then organically moving them into a, a trial or or even a, a full-on opportunity from a, a contract perspective. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, it's an interesting time in soccer where, you know, there, there's still the soccer wars are happening and, and you don't quite know what to expect from, um, you know, how – players can get identified it, mm-hmm. it truly goes down to what have you what have you done for for us lately what have, what have you done before um could you fit do i want to take a chance and my coach wants to take a chance on an amateur guy when i can just go and go to brazil and get a guy who um who can who can fit the bill and has played pro soccer almost his entire teenage years so right. um so very good question paul very good question i i think too john like the the thing is, like you said, is there are also executives, managers, whatever, general managers, scouts, player directors of player personnel, what have you, that aren't quite as willing to take a chance. Because like you said, like it's deeper in the season by the time we're done. It's deeper in the season by the time anyone that's playing USL2 in the summer can really get noticed for, for what they're doing on the field. And by then it's like, we really need someone to help us down the stretch, or we really need mm-hmm. someone to help save the season. Yeah. Right. And so you have to be a scout that is extremely confident with your decision to be able to elevate, like, how about this kid named Susie at this club called Minneapolis city? Sure. They haven't won a game yet, but watch the tape, you know? So there's like, there's uh it's, it's tough. Right. It's, it, it's, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough proposition at this level. But I think that like, like you said, it, if, if it's, a, it might be a matter of someone that might not play for Minneapolis city that decides, you know what I'm going to do is, is go on the circuit and see if there's a NISA team that wants me before I, before I come back home. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll mention this is like, do you remember city warden who played for Duluth who like won the golden boot and just kind of like just burst out, out of the gates and scored a ton of goals in the NFL. Yeah say he does that for someone like us in the summer, I do believe that like that would have raised some eyebrows, you know, like you're scoring close to like 15 goals in a NPSL season in a short truncated season like that. That's that, that screams potential at the pro level to a general manager, a coach, a player, personnel person, uh, you know, whoever it might be. Um, you look at someone who's scoring five goals, but it's, you know, they, maybe they, they came in late and you don't really know what their situation is. You just kind of overlook them. I, I it, it just speaks to the, 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 the slim margin right, right there for opportunity, which I do feel is good. Like I said, was good, is going to open up. Right. Cool. Well, number two, question number two, we've seen Ian, Steve Smith, most recently of all city players go to Europe is playing professionally <clears throat> at, is playing professionally outside the U.S. actually possible for? <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that Paul means for a player that comes up in the Minneapolis City ranks, right? 
mm-hmm. playing professionally outside the U.S. actually or, possible? Or does, or does anyone? Yeah. Are certain countries or leagues more open to having a young, talented American? Man, Paul, you were really on one when you sent us these questions. Uh, I he's love feeling, it. <laughs> it feels like he's he's really in a dark place. <laughs> he just wants soccer. Around American talent. He's just like, is there even – Christian Pulisic isn't getting minutes. Is, it, <laughs> is there even a place for an American in this fucking world? <laughs> well, maybe there is, Paul. Maybe there isn't. Um, I'm going to answer this one in two parts, and then I'll pause in, in between to let you uh, add your flavor in, Nate. As far as overseas goes with players going uh, going that way from the States, when it was my heyday, it was it was totally a piss in the ocean type size chance that any club from outside of our borders <laughs> would ever come to America and look for a player. Like it was literally like might as well buy a Powerball ticket and, and your chances of winning might be better. Uh, but after the success of players that blazed the trail, albeit in the small sample size in like the late nineties, uh, and then on the backs of the performance of the young Yanks in the 2020, uh, 2002 world cup, um, you know, na- narrowly on a handball missing the opportunity to go to the, the semifinal. Um, you you've seen there are clubs that are are willing to take a flyer on a cheaper younger american talent but as with my experience over there and from what i hear from guys that have gone to play abroad since since i i did um it's still pushing a boulder up a mountain even if you get the chance for a trial it's sometimes i think i think trial opportunities are, are more more available now but actually sticking and being able to trans translate into how the game is 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 trained and and played in America at a younger age versus how it is in Europe, it, it really still is a, a very big hill to climb. Yeah, I would urge uh, anyone that that's interested in this to to go back and listen to. I wish I I wish I preloaded this episode in my mind. The one that we talked to the episode where we interviewed Max Stewart, mm-hmm. uh, and we had talked to him about his trial in Italy. Because he went on trial with uh, Sassuolo, I think it was, or some. I can't. Mm, I, I think. Yeah, I think so. Right, and basically he said, like, dude, it is absolutely a different situation when you go on trial in in Europe for a real team because you're rolling up against trialists from all over the world, and the difference between them and you isn't like, oh man, this guy really wants to play soccer more than me. It's like this guy needs to eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and 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 what that does for motivation and, and the level of play and the level of intensity in, in a trial like environment is something that it's tough. It's tough unless unless you've come up in a really, really strong system for most of your life that it's just, it's just really tough to tough to break into. But I guess the question is, John, how can where is the opportunity? for for americans and i and i'm pointing to like programs like uh fc pinsgau right in austria's third third division which is kind of hand-picked or second division you know kind of hand-picked by american investors because of its uh beautiful environs but also like fairly fairly cheap pipeline for americans to go to europe or you know someone like steve who's in scandinavia like where are the hot spots for, for people, for kids to look at if they want to start in Europe in the lower leagues? There isn't a hot spot. <laughs> I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest with you. 
there isn't there's there there's opportunity now where more americans that have deep pockets are coming in and buying clubs and that might help open it up but i i'm honestly there there is no answer to that it's you go back to what you said about max talking about how it's like you know this guy needs to eat and he's the the breadwinner for the family because of his soccer skills um you know this guy's this guy's 17 and and i'm 20 22 23 coming out of school and playing a year in the usl2 like who are you gonna go with you know like um you're gonna go with the 17 year old who has the exact same potential but more years uh, or less years on his leg mm-hmm. you know um or you're just gonna be like what, what i ran into where it's like just prejudice for soccer for american soccer players where it's like you know like you really got to prove yourself and you and you really have to adapt to the fact that it's a dog eat dog world and in the United States soccer, a, a 15 through 17 year old is not in a dog eat dog soccer environment, even no. at like the, the MLS next pro whatever levels. Um, there's nothing like that here. Um, there's nothing there. Well, I shouldn't say there's nothing. There's, there's limited opportunities where it's the kid who is the breadwinner who needs to eat and his family needs to eat and all his paychecks go home. Um, you don't have that here. You, you just don't. And it, it just shows that we're still a, a soccer country that is, is so far behind the development of everywhere else where soccer's where, where soccer's king, where it, it, it truly is your outlet. And we have so many other outlets here. Um, man, we could talk about this one for, for a long time. Let's get into let's get into the second part of uh, of of my my answer uh, answer to Paul. So Paul, when it comes down to like countries or leagues, and this kind of dovetails a little bit into what we were talking about, there are a couple that have taken chances more regularly on young Americans with what I've seen is Scandinavia being probably the most willing to do so. We've had uh, Abai Habat um, was in Sweden. Mitch Wolf was in Sweden. Uh, Miles Stock and Willis was in Sweden. Um, so like you're, you're seeing the, the Scandinavian countries. I think it was more of a case of like a few Americans went over and then the, uh, you know, the, they said like, Oh, Hey, I got a buddy who's actually pretty good at soccer. Um, you know, he, he's, he's cheap, you know, he can come, if you can get him over here, you can stay with me and, you know, you can put him on trial. If it doesn't work, what's the harm. I think, you know, that, that might've been a, a scenario where the Scandinavians were like, sure, let's give it a, let's give it a shot. Um, but when, when it gets to the likes of like Germany, England, France, um, I leave like Spain, Italy, Portugal out of it. Um, but Germany, England, France, they typically at the lower leagues put a, a pretty, heavy uh heavy heavy um focus and restrictions around players that are not from that country um not only just being given work permits uh, really? but also even being allowed to be on a roster uh, so like if you're a if you're a follower of what's going on uh, in wales uh over at wrexham with uh with ryan reynolds and, and rob McElhenney um coming in and 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 all the things that were around revolving around that um you know i, I see that as um you know that type of thing as a potential where you're bringing more people in um but with Wrexham they they're not allowed to have any players at their level that aren't from Great Britain so yeah so it's not just it's basically they operate in in what is the uh what is the, the 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 first level of professional soccer and 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 the the step right before the full FA, so being in, in the national leagues, yeah. So they're in the national league. So in in the national leagues, you can't have someone from the United States. You can't have someone from 
Portugal or, or, or Germany or, or whatever it might be, Italy, um, you have to have Great Britain born players. So like there's an opportunity there where it's like England isn't even really an option for American players. Um, but to, to, clo- to close this one out for you, Paul, it, it is likely that over time you will see more Americans going over to countries, but I still feel like it'll be extremely limited until I think our country has major success on an international stage where like, like I was mentioning, we did in 2002 and then you saw an influx of players just going to Europe. And then ultimately you started seeing some success, the success of players, you know, the, the few drop in the hat players from MLS that have moved over. And now you have, you know, like your Tyler Adams, your, your basically your core of our nat, your national team is now over in Europe playing. Yeah. Um, so it's really going to, I think it's really going to take that, that like United States, like say they come out in this next world cup, we win all three games in our group. We go on, we win our knockout game. We get, we get to the semifinal again and, and maybe we get knocked out. Um, or maybe we get into a final, then people are gonna be like, Oh, you know what? Like the, the shop windows open. I'm going to start buying Americans. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I feel like that might have to coincide with some success at like the Olympic level too, John, like it might. Yeah. That's cool. But I mean, the team is like a guy from who that plays for Juventus. a guy that plays for Chelsea. You got, you know, guys that play for Leeds. Like this is not, these are not no names playing for like the second division of Portugal. These are like already, these have already been identified as probably the top American players and everyone knows about it, you know? But then it goes back to my point where it's like, once, once you get over there, you're like, Hey, check out my bro who plays for New York Red Bulls that you've never heard of. That was on the world cup team. Like, you know, check out, you you should check out, you know, the guy, this guy I played with in college or this guy I played with in Academy. Like he's good, but he, he just needs an opportunity. Um, I, I agree. I think it goes back to also this issue too, where when we've talked about it, like what is the American style of play, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I know if I want an organized player that is highly intelligent, uh, you know, on in, in the game, I can go to Germany or the Netherlands. Or the Milwaukee Bavarians. <laughs> exactly. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like what is the yeah. identity of an American player that would be like, okay, these Americans are good and I need more guys like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. I mean, where the reason why I left out uh, Italy, Spain, and Portugal is because that's where you're starting to see more Americans getting signed as youth products. Mm-hmm. So that that, that they're they they are identifying them as players at the 15 year old level or age group, and they're like, okay, well, let's let's close the gap on the kid with the kids that that um, grew up in our academy from eight. And let's let's see if if at 15 these Americans can perform. And you're starting to see a ton of players actually perform. Actually, if you want to go over to a, a really good uh, website that tracks um, uh, players from abroad uh, that are playing abroad, go to yanksabroad.com, um, Paul or anyone, and you can you can see from full full on pro the Pulisic's, the McKinney's, the the Adams of the world, all the way down to the, the, the 15, 17, 18 year olds that are playing over somewhere. And you'll see that there are quite a few that are over there, but when you boil it down to like guys like Ian Smith, guys like Jonah Garcia, anyone that, that maybe is in our futures program right now, who, you know, we don't know yet. Um, I don't see the, the, the league's, uh, 
stepping on themselves to try to sign those players. It's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Our guest tonight burst onto the city scene by way of the features program and quickly grew to be one of the players to watch week in and week out this past summer. Happy to welcome the young Zach Susie, the Shaco Pele, which I still think is the best uh, <laughs> nickname that anyone's got. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, it's it's always great to be on the podcast. The first time was awesome. I'm I'm happy to be back. I always love to have a good conversation with you, John. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me, not Nate, though, right? No, uh, uh, no, not Nate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love you. I love you, Nate. I love you. Get Nate. ready for a miserable 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be awful. Um, so, Zach, before we get rolling, like typically when we have we have. Uh, folks on that uh that maybe haven't i mean you've been on before but it's been it's been a little while and we've we've gathered some new fans along the way um so before we get started just we want you to introduce yourself to listeners um through a little bit of stats yeah so, before we get started i got a question why are you so bad at soccer <laughs> you know, oh man here you know here, no i'm just kidding let's let's get to those stats john because he's the opposite of that yeah, so uh, from a high school perspective, you were a four-year letter winner and a, a three-year team captain at Shakopee High School, hence Shaka Pele. Um, you scored 23 goals and dished out 11 assists, both career best your senior season. And then you wrapped up your high school totals with 55 goals. Super impressive. Uh, 29 assists. All four stats you just mentioned are all Shakopee High School. Uh, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the mascot at Shakopee High School? Sabers were the Sabers. <laughs> Sabers. All four stats I just mentioned are Saber school records. You were the Shakopee Male Scholar Athlete of the Year in 2020 and 2021. Four-time All-Conference, two-time All-State, two-time All-Metro, and Class 2A Mr. Soccer, as well as being Minnesota's Gatorade Player of the Year in 2020. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I think you got it all, John. <laughs> I, I, I mean, hey, I, I we try, we we try to we try to do uh, some sort of fact checking on this. You guys uh, do your program. research. I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. I didn't even know I had some of those awards. So <laughs> it's and, on your and, Washington University bio. It is. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> Well, here's where I go to the other side of the coin. And apparently, as far as city stats go, our record keeper looks to have skipped town with all of that information. Yeah, we only so, have the, the the Des Moines Menace U.S. Open Cup game. Yeah, so essentially, we'll have to circle back on that uh, status of your uh, your city records. They are kept, so we've got to find out where those are. Uh, so we'll do that for another day. But uh, <laughs> we can say that um, also that, Zach, you were the first Futures Program graduate to be elevated to the senior side from the inaugural class of 2021. Okay, so that is, that. is that's everything. So now that you've been introduced to, uh, reintroduced or introduced to the new folks that are, are listening to our show, um, we like to start start off the, the player interviews uh, talking about your soccer journey. You know, what was as a young dude growing up in, in Shakopee from a soccer perspective for you? Um, I, w I started as a local guy. You know, my dad played Division One college soccer, so he got me into it right away. I was three or four and just playing the rec leagues and with uh, SSA, Shakopee Soccer Association. And I think a lot of my, you know, soccer roots came from that. My dad was a really good coach when I was young and, like, the group of players that I had growing up with me were all really invested in the game, which I think was, you know, I give a lot of credit to my dad for that because he made it fun for us. Like we went out and played and, and got better together. 
Um, and then I, when I was 11 or 12, I made the transition to MTA for one year. Um, and then I kind of jumped ship on that when the whole like losing the DA status thing was happening. Um, and I went over to play with Rev, which became Salvo. And I spent six or seven years there with, you know, a core group of guys that was that was a that was that was a really, really good team. And I, I, I do miss playing with them because friends and um we ended up winning state cup i think four times in a row um our last four years and we lost our last year to covid unfortunately um and then after that happened you know uh in high school we played against uh lakeville north which was uh jj's jj's team now it's like hey you should come out to this you know minneapolis city futures trial thing i've got going um and I was like, that sounds awesome. So I came out and uh, I've been hooked ever since, I guess. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, it looks like you're reading my notes here. So as we mentioned, <laughs> you were the first graduate of the Futures program to make it to the, uh, to be elevated fully into the senior side. Um, you, you've already mentioned how you got hooked up with us um, with the Futures program, but maybe go a little bit into what you knew about the club before JJ approached you and, and, and put handcuffs on you and took you to practice. Um, but, uh, but before you came uh, to part of the club, what did you know about us? And ultimately, what what kind of happened along the way that made you want to stay with the organization after that first season? You know, it's funny. I always wondered, like, why I thought I knew Adam before I came to City. I, I could never <laughs> put my finger on it. I was like, I know that guy, but I don't know why I know him. And it turns out when I was younger with still playing with Rev, he actually came and did one of our training sessions for the, okay. for, the for our team. Um, and he was like, yeah, when you guys get older, you know, we'd love to see some of you come out and, uh, and play for city. And I kind of nice. like forgotten about it. Cause it was a one-off session. I was probably like 15 or 16. Um, and I finally like clicked like a couple weeks ago. I was like, Oh yeah, that's how I found out about city. Um, <laughs> And, you know, once I got into the club, I mean, the, the culture of it, the, the fan funding it, you know, the all the guys on the team, it's, it's a special, special soccer experience that I don't think you can find anywhere else in the country, to be honest, in the lower leagues. Um, and, you know, getting to play that first, you know, UPSL game when I got called up uh, during my first year of Futures with the fans and the drum banging and, uh, I don't know. I think if you don't enjoy playing in that atmosphere, then you just don't enjoy playing soccer because it's you yeah, know, the best thing you. I've been, Yeah, it's it's the most fun I've had playing the game for sure. It's it's a special experience. Well, and then, I mean, you you compound that experience season one to then season two playing with the MPSL side, scoring a goal against our, our biggest rival to date, which was Duluth. And in that atmosphere, I mean, a lot of people there, a lot of activity, a lot of eyeballs. It probably felt even better than that first appearance did. Oh, man, you have no idea. Because I was on a bit of a season as well. Like, I I had had some chances, and I, I, I thought I could have done better with. And, you know, uh putting that one away and all my friends came to that game too. It was, that was probably my favorite goal I've ever scored in terms of the environment. 
Sorry about the siren. That's the that's the St. Louis local anthem. So uh, hopefully that didn't get caught in the background there. That's oh right. no, it definitely did. We'll keep that in. Uh, no, I, we we know that you had a lot of fans come because they were sitting in front of the press box and we could hear them the whole time. Yeah, that was <laughs> that's great. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Zach, man, when last we spoke, and this was like way back at Futures Turning in the Braemar Dome. Yep, I um, remember. Yeah, John, was that the same session that one of the Olivers just got smoked in the nads too? No, no, that was that was, that was uh, a different one. Years, that was a few years ago. But, <laughs> anyway, uh, that was a Champions Hall moment. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Zach. So you sat down with us, and you were in sort of a soccer no man's land, right? Because you had graduated high school. We were in the middle of COVID, and with all those honors we mentioned earlier, you know, uh, Mister Soccer, Gatorade Player of the Year, like tons of tons of accolades all conference all state and like you didn't have a college biting like nobody nobody was nobody was having you uh for for i think what we covered off on at the time were a number of reasons but maybe maybe you can kind of review that with us like what was that about and what was your mindset like at the time when you're when you're like i thought i was a pretty good player how come no one wants me yeah um just with with covid you know uh if you weren't aware like the oh the NCAA offered an extra year of eligibility to all current college players that missed out on that fall season that got canceled due to COVID, um, which caused a lot of schools to just decide, you know, we need to recruit any more guys. All of our guys are going to come back for an extra year. And that hurt my recruiting, uh, obviously, because that was my senior year, which I was getting ready to commit that fall. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the places that were recruiting me were just like, we're, we're not going to take any more guys. You know, our roster's already full. Um, so I ended up, you know, deciding to take a gap year because the, the options were pretty limited. And for me, uh, the most important thing when choosing a college was the academics and um, I just didn't feel like I had an option that was a good balance of academics and soccer where I could, you know, go pretty 50, 50 on that and, and get a good education while also playing higher level soccer. Sure. Um, and you know, I'm, I ended up deciding to take a gap year, which I, I think ended up being a good choice. I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. Well, I mean, um, what, what was, uh, you know, then, so what was that like in the meantime? So you decide all right, well, I guess I'm just not going to, not going to go to school this year. Like, what did you, what did you do to fill your time? That is, uh, you know, nine months of like not really playing organized ball outside of futures maybe. Right. Yeah. I mean, you talk about soccer, no man's land. I was definitely in that kind of state. Like I, I had city, which wasn't, I mean, in, in the winter, it's not super consistent because a lot of the guys are, you know, they're off at college or, you know, busy or a lot of the futures guys are playing club. So it was only once or twice a week. And it was just a lot of like in my basement, you know, juggling, kicking the ball off the wall. And, and, and once the, once my gap year started and all of my friends went off to college and it was just me and and Shockby, Minnesota, which isn't a town with a lot of attractions. um, (laughs) I, I was, I was just kind of working and and playing soccer. There wasn't, I, I didn't, uh, get the opportunity to really travel that much because I ended up getting COVID and it was just, it didn't, it didn't end up working out. So I was working, you know, 40, 50 hours a week and spending the rest of my time at, you know, whatever city training or, uh, uh, I could find. And it was, you know, it, 
a lot of people romanticize the gap year. I'm happy about the result of the gap year. The gap year itself wasn't like the most fun experience in my life, but I'm glad that I did it. So. Well, all's well that ends well, as they say, because you currently are playing regular minutes at Washington University in St. Louis or Wash U for the folks that are aware of that. Uh, how how did you land there? You know, we talked about the soccer nomad, uh, you know, aspect of your gap gap year. How did you land at Wash U? What, how kind of what what happened there? And are you enjoying your first year in college soccer? Oh uh, yeah, so. Um, I think at the high school All-American game, Joe, who's uh, our coach at WashU, uh, caught me because it was here in St. Louis, and he sent me an email. And I knew a little bit about WashU before that, but I didn't know much. And once I did a little more research, I was like, wow, this is a really good school. Like, I have to take this into pretty serious consideration. And, mm-hmm. like, if I'm being honest, like, I was pretty set on trying to, like, go to an Ivy League school at the time. So I, like, told Joe, like, I was interested, but, like, I'm exploring my options. And unfortunately, like, it didn't work out at the Ivy Leagues, but I ended up coming down to a couple schools and I decided, you know, WashU seems like the best fit. It's, you know, they were contending for a national championship last year in soccer and um, it's, you know, a top 25 school in the country. So there's it's, you know, one of the best options for me out there. And uh, I decided to commit and, you know, I've, I've had a great freshman year. Unfortunately, our season hasn't really gone how we've liked. Um, we came into preseason with like 14 guys that were healthy on the first day of training, which I've never experienced before. It was, it was weird. And we just had a bunch of guys watching because we, we had a lot of injuries this summer. And our first game against Carthage, we had 18 healthy guys. Um, which is just tough in college soccer because uh, it's such a fitness-based game. And, um, you know, we kind of battled those injuries all year, and we're, we're sitting at a little bit over 500 right now, which it's obviously not what we were hoping for. But I still had a good experience. I've gotten a lot of minutes. I feel like I've gotten a lot better. So I'm, I have no complaints. I'm really, really happy that I ended up here. Yeah, I mean, we talked to – you know, I mean, looking at the stats, you've, I think you've played eight games. You started seven, um, you know, three assists on the year, which is pretty solid season so far for a first year student. And we talked to a lot of college players after, you know, after leaving city after high school. And inevitably the conversation comes back to like how prepared they felt for the level of competition that they that they're up against in college. Thanks to playing with city in the summer between high school and college. Are you, are you finding that to be true, especially given how unique your in-between time was, unique and uh, and lengthy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, getting the chance to play, especially USL2 this summer, is I, – I feel like it's – and, you know, my opportunity to get minutes as a freshman here in college because, you know, the level that I played at this summer was – it was really high and – I, I think it showed, you know, right away in preseason. I felt like I came in like more prepared than I ever have for a preseason before. And um, I mean, just getting to play in the summer in general, especially at a school like Wash U, prepares you a lot because a lot of the other guys are doing internships or you know whatever else to try to prepare for their career. So dorks. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think. Dorks. <laughs> Yeah. Big time dorks. I, I, hope, I hope they're, I hope they're listening. So they know what I think about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have traded my experience, you know, over my gap year with city for anything because 
uh, you know, just it, it did prepare me well. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, how else to describe it. Like, you just play at such a high level over the summer. And even you come here and you think, you know, maybe the level's not even as high as what it was. I mean, USL, too, you got a bunch of guys that are going to be playing pro next year. So, it's it's it was good. I'm happy about it. Well, we all know that last season was not what we had all expected it would be or it could be. The, you know, the MPSL side, which you featured in um, – had had to fight to finish fourth with a winning record uh, and not not uh, end up with our first ever losing record. And then the USL squad, which you were also a part of, uh, only won one game. Saying that again really brings back some sour memories, but you know we'll we'll move forward. But talk to us a little bit about <laughs> what it was like this past summer, and if there's any areas that, from a player's perspective, you can point at that we could clean up um, to get back to the winning ways next year. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, wa- like watching back some of the games from last summer, we were competing with all these teams. I just – I don't know exactly, like, what it was. Like, I can't put my finger on the exact cause, but I just think we didn't have, like, that grit to grind out those results last summer that I think a lot of the city teams in the past have had, at least the ones that I've seen or I've been around to see. Um, you know, going on the road a lot was different, I think, for what the guys might have experienced in the past. And I also think, like, the bond that I felt with the UPSL team that was really successful that we made the national quarterfinals wasn't necessarily there last summer. And I don't know if that was, you know, because of the large player pool and we just – it was we were always, like, running out a different group of guys. It was never the same 18 guys Mm -hmm. on the team. Um, But it just wasn't – I didn't feel like we were as close as a team as maybe – the other city teams have been in the past. And obviously I can't comment on that, but um, yeah, I think, you know, as much as it's like, so like crude to say, I feel like we did get pretty unlucky as well, especially Mm -hmm. in some of the USL two games. Like you watch back some of those games, you're like, wow, we had 60, 70% possession and, you know, 12 shots to their six and, and theirs just happened to, to find the back of the net or we made one big mistake in the back and, and couldn't finish our chances. You know, there was, there were so many of those games where I felt like we left the field feeling like we like gave it our all, but just didn't find that winning moment. And, you know, I, I think if you, you play some of those games again, the results are different, but at the same time, like you have to have that grit as a team to, to grind out those results. And I don't, I just don't know if we, we had it last year. I don't know. Yeah. Well, to keep, to keep the conversation going along those lines, Zach, Last time on our show, we said we said goodbye. We had a we had a tribute show to the NPSL, and it was through that discussion that John and I ended up. We kind of came to this realization that this move away from the NPSL and focusing on the UPSL and the USL two is really going to have the biggest effect on the futures program. And, and as mm-hmm. someone like like you, like you that has made the leap from futures to USL two, can you talk a little bit about what it's like? to move from playing against high schoolers to playing against a bunch of Canadians that like used to play in the Italian <laughs> second division? You know, the, the first thing you notice, you know, when you step on the field and you take that first touch and then the giant six, three tree clears you out from behind. It's just how much <laughs> more physical it is. Like not that high school soccer is not physical because it kind of is, but it's just, it's like, it's like a clean physical where you just get, 
thrown off the ball and you look at the ref like that was a foul and he's like no it wasn't he just bodied you you know um <laughs> and then obviously the other thing is the pace of play like those those guys have been playing at a high level for a long time they're thinking a lot quicker than what you're used to and that mm-hmm. first adjustment when you first step on the pitch is it's going to be hard no matter how much you train for it um but i think you know getting into the groove of it, a lot of a lot of futures players will still get the, the chance to jump up to that level because if you have the talent even if it takes a couple of games to to you know get used to it and adjust which i think it will for anybody you know you can still, you know, bring yourself up to that level because a lot of it is mental, I think, as well. Um, just thinking quicker, you know, playing quicker is is probably the second biggest thing besides, you know, hitting the weight room and uh, doing that stimulus training. Without well, the NPSL, though, that's – I mean, that's kind of a leap, right? Like, from, yeah, it, you know, it is, playing it, against the Brooklyn Knights or whatever, um, you know, yeah. from – from Brooklyn, Brooklyn center to playing against Des Moines menace is yeah. like, you don't get that. You don't get that middle ground of, of testing, testing your speed of thought against med city or Duluth. Yeah, it is. It is a different, different experience playing in USL too, especially, you know, in our conference playing against Des Moines. I mean, the it's, it's, it's not even when you're playing against Duluth, it's intense, but the, the level of intensity, it's, it's almost professional playing in USL too. you, it's it, it's definitely a harder jump, and I, I hope we still see a lot of futures guys making that jump because I think the talent in Minnesota is there to do it. Like I I, I fully believe it. I've still paid attention to high school soccer this this fall, and I, I think there's a lot of guys out there that that have the the capabilities to play at the USL two level. So I'm I'm hoping that we still see some of it, but it'll definitely be a harder adjustment than going from UPSL to MPSL. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, John, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna say like you don't feel that playing against Brooklyn Knights prepared, prepared you to uh, play against the Des Moines Menace? You know, at, at a certain extent it did because I wanted to play as quick as I could against Brooklyn, but get, you know, absolutely destroyed. So, so maybe, maybe it did prepare me a little bit. Yeah. If, yeah. You know, what do they say? Like, can you do it on a cold rainy night at Stoke? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Can, can you do it on a hot summer day versus Brooklyn Knights? I think is our new, uh, our new moniker. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Zach, you're uh, you're an interesting as your career stats in high school show, but also your time in city. You're an interesting combination of a goal scorer and a goal creator. You've both set up and scored a number of crucial goals in your short city career. Uh, you know, Des Moines, the the U.S. Open <coughs> Cup game in Des Moines rings a bell uh, as you you know you you played your your futures mate Luik Masanvi on to score that uh, to score that second goal. Also, thinking about the game against Duluth when you, um, uh, you know, you know when you showed up as well. Like, how important is it for a forward to have that kind of unselfish mentality? For a forward to make the players around him look just as good as uh, as you know he wants to. You know, I think I think that's a really underrated quality of a lot of the best forwards in the world. Like you don't ever hear guys talking about Harry Kane's passing, but if you watch him play, he's he's just as brilliant at that as he is at finishing. And you know, I think when you when you talk about the best forwards in the world, you talk about Benzema, you talk about Lewandowski, you talk about Kane. You know that you 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 look at their their finishing and you think you know that's that's what they are. But you know what really makes a good forward is is the ability to to 
not only create for yourself and get in those right spots, but also like make the right run to clear out space for somebody else or, you know, make that perfect layoff pass or even, you know, come back to the ball and, 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 and slip somebody through. Um, and, you know, I obviously I'm no Kane Benzema or uh, Lewandowski, but like I, when I play, that's something I think about, you know, I'm trying to, you know, not only create for myself, but also open up space for other guys. And, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to, to get that assist against uh, Des Moines last year. Honestly, maybe my favorite goal, that my favorite city goal that I forgot about was in the UPSL playoffs, uh, not last summer, but the summer before, off a of, off a free kick, um, just kind of finding space in the middle, um, and I had no idea how to celebrate. That's probably one of the funniest videos ever because John's <laughs> John's yelling something over the commentary, and I'm just running all over the field like with no direction whatsoever. That uh, was the uh, that was the dog on the field game. That was the yeah, Raptors. Was, yeah, you was, put that in yeah. the in the extra time. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you gotta talk, Obviously, you gotta you talk to, to Eli Baker about celebrating because he celebrates other people's goals just as good as Eli Goldman or Eli Goldman. Sorry. Yeah. Talk to Eli yeah. Goldman about that. I, I, I can see that. He seems like a he seems like a big celebration guy. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me too much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got we got two more questions, one from each of us uh, before we let you get out of here. Uh, last question for me is, is it true that you and Luik kind of struck up a quick bond? that one can only describe as something out of the script from a buddy cop comedy. <laughs> I would, I would say that, yes, it is true. You know, I actually played against the week, you know, probably like four or five years ago in high school when he was, you know, a little freshman. And I remember like leaving the film. I was like, who is that kid? Like, I've never heard of him before. He's really good. Um, and I didn't really get to know him ever until the, the the futures program started. And once we both got the opportunity to play with the first team last year, you know, as you know, two of the younger guys in the squad, it, it, it was kind of just natural that we we got close. We sat next to each other on the bus rides. I drove him home from the bus at two a.m. every time when we got back from Sioux Falls <laughs> or whatever. You know, it was you know it was a quick bond, and I'm I'm. I'm going to miss playing with him if, if we don't see him again next year, but I, I know he's on to some, some big things with Minnesota United too and, and whatnot. So I'm, I'll be watching him and yeah, he's a great guy. I, I love Luik. Have you, uh, have you talked to him since he made his move to, to working with United? Yeah, I've, I've spoken with him a little bit. I haven't gotten the chance to talk to him on the phone or anything, but obviously when I saw that he got signed, I shot him a text. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he was really excited about it. Um, you know, obviously getting that opportunity, you know, probably because of how he played with City, you know, um, mm-hmm. was was awesome for him because I know that's what he wanted. Um, he decided he was going to take a year off from college as well. I, I told him I thought that was the best thing for him. And, uh, you know, he wanted to try to find somewhere to play pro. And I'm glad that he, he was able to find that opportunity right here at home. Uh, it's awesome for him. I'm really happy. And then, of course, he goes out and scores on his debut, like he always. Of does. course, he does. Yeah, he's he, the kid. The kid always scores, man. He's so good at, at at scoring goals. He's he's amazing. I mean, I've got a theory. Not to make this the, about the week all of a sudden, but I got a theory that. No, we can make it about the week. I got a theory that Zach's time's over. United <laughs> shipped uh, Azil Jackson out for some money, knowing that they had the week to take his spot. <laughs> I, I don't think I, that's a conspiracy. I think that might be actually what, I mean, that's, they, what they did. That seems pretty yeah, legit. Yeah. Like, right? I, I, it sounds about right. I mean, 
I, I could see him putting 25 in the back of the net in MLS one day. Like the, the kid's got talent, that's for sure. Oh, nice. for sure. Zach, well, one, and, last, one last one. Oh, go ahead, John. No, I was just clearing my throat. Oh, okay, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that you, you still follow follow high school soccer. I'm wondering, with the, with the state finals on Friday, any picks? Ooh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting Woodbury to make it, so um, – I, my buddy, Joe Barica, who's a futures kid, um, yeah. he's playing for YZ. I'm going to have to back him. I, I like their chances. They've got oh. you know, two or three really good players out there. I know Matt would be happy to hear, be hearing this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Zach, but, you, know you, know, my, you know my stepson plays for Woodbury. He, it, no one told me that, you know. Uh, I was trying to – Do your research, man. That's the wrong answer. You just – that's Wait, the wrong Earth, answer. No, that's good. I, uh, you know, I, I – I, I should have done my research on that, but I'm going to stick a, by my pick. I, I'll say it's I'm from say the heart. Why is that is going to win three to one? You, you heard it here. All right. All right. Oh, That's man. Not, wow. Not bad. Well, right. hey, I didn't know your stepson plays for their team. He's going to get smoked three to one. it's going with the the theme of the podcast from earlier you know it's that's you are the the worst i knew this interview would be awful (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it's interesting like um and i i know i said i had one thing but it's more of a comment it's interesting you know when you when you can look at the Mayak or you can look at, you know, other divisions of soccer and, and conferences outside of the state where guys are playing, but it's, it's kind of cool to see, to be looking at like the, like the section semifinal to final in high school soccer here and, and look at the, look at the teams and look at the performers and you're like, futures kid, futures kid, futures kid. Yeah, totally. We're, we're going to talk to him futures kid futures you know what i mean like it, it's it's really kind of nice and like you know joy like you mentioned joey barica in the state the state championship game he's been with the futures program for two years mm-hmm. do you think he looks across at like any guy no offense nate on uh on woodbury's team is like yeah i'm scared of that guy well <laughs> i'm know? gonna say your boy waldrum didn't either but we put four up on him yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are fighting words. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like, like. No, yeah, well, totally. But but Waldron was only a one-year futures player, so you oh, know, okay. we're talking about like a two-year futures. <laughs> yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of cool to see. Is that kind of why you how why you still follow it, Zach? Is because of you know some yeah, futures connections you have. I, I still have a lot of connections. I mean, I coached a year of high school soccer. Actually, I forgot to mention, I did that during my gap year. I was I was an assistant varsity coach for Shockby. So I saw all those kids play. And also, you know, you know Nick Karam still playing. Yeah. I mean, Joe is still playing. A bunch of guys that I got pretty close with last year uh, they're with Futures are still playing. And, you know, that gives me a good reason to follow it. It gives me guys to cheer for. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I that's definitely a big part of it. We'll tell Joey the next time we talk to him that we would have won the Futures League if he wasn't made a class and was injured for half the season. Really, really needed him. I picked him in the draft and he did nothing for me. It's, it's cla- classic Joey. I mean, classic honestly, Joey. he's yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, thanks so much for joining us tonight. I uh, hope you had a, as good of a time as we did. We'll let you get back to studying. But congratulations on um, on a great summer. Uh, results aside, a solid first season with Wash U, and we're really excited to see you back at Edor Nelson when your first season at school is done and we can get you on loan for uh, for a second season of USL too. <laughs> awesome. Great to be great to talk to you today, guys. Love this. All right. Take it easy, man. Yep. Take it easy.
That's a wrap on this week's show. Thanks again to the Shaka Pele, Zach Susi. <laughs> and thank you for listening to this week's show. Thank you to our wonderful show sponsor, footballstadiumprints.com. Thank you to everyone. Uh, if you're in the market for supremely curated, soccer-focused graphic design on anything from mugs to T-shirts to sweet prints of city icons like Edor Nelson Field or John Bisworm or the old club shop, head over to footballstadiumprints.com and fill your card up. And don't forget, use the code CROWS10 for 10% off everything you purchase. And remember, all U.S. orders ship right from the States, so there are no pesky international shipping charges. 2023 memberships are now available. Jump in early and get that discounted price, and you secure yourself a voice that helps shape the club for the next year. More votes are on the horizon, and members get early access to the upcoming crop of Things like city merch, scarves, all that stuff. As a reminder, Minneapolis City is a 501c3, so consider making that charitable gift to the club that loves to give back. And don't forget, join the club that loves to give back at Utapils, starting with the opening round of the World Cup for the USA. That is 11:21. That's going to earn you $5 beers, free pizza for the first 50 people, and of course, free parking and tons of space in the tap room. So you actually can find a spot, get comfy and watch the game, which you're going to want to do. Join us at Utapils for the world cup starting on November 21st. If you're interested in getting a hold of us, Hey, don't forget we've made it simple. You can be like Paul hit the club up on Twitter at MPLS city SC, or you can tweet at us at the show at the people's pitch or email us your question at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. We answer them. Just make sure to get them in. And that's all for this week. I am Nate. That was John. We're going to be back with our World Cup predictions and more player and staff interviews. And as always, you got to get up. We just talked to Zach Susi and he picked Wendetta over. Fuck him. <laughs>